Welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. On today's episode, we'll give you a quick update on our travels and dive into the history of Gibo, Wyoming, an old mining town we discovered when dispersed camping. Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Adventures Podcast. <laughs> we join you today, or you join us today, from the beautiful national park of Glacier in Montana. Yeah, we could uh, join you depending on where you're at. <laughs> yeah, some of the people I follow on social media, I'm like, they just did this hike over here. And it's kind of fun to see what everyone does. But anyway, uh, we are in Glacier and we thought we'd give you guys kind of an update of what's been going on this last week. And so we left you, I believe, um, that we were actually leaving the Tetons and we were heading back through Yellowstone to head up to Helena, Montana and to visit some of Jake's family. Yeah, so that kind of made it feel like a full circle uh, because I hadn't been back to Helena in about 10 years. Um, my sophomore year of college is when I kind of lived with my aunt and uncle out there in Montana, same house, everything like that. So it's pretty cool to go back there again. That's kind of where I fell in love with the mountains, and I knew someday I was going to be living, moving, doing something out west. Just kind of the the beautiful countryside of the west. And, you know, when Amy and I left Minneapolis, we moved to the Black Hills, so we're slowly making our way out. To the big mountains. Yeah, to the bigger mountains. Well, and it was fun. We went into um, Helena, and my grandma, like 30 years ago, lived in Helena, so we drove past her old house and the lady was outside and I said, my grandma used to live here. Can I take a couple pictures? And uh, so anyway, she gave a nice tour and um, was talking about how much they love the house. And they had actually been there for that long. So I think it's the people that bought it from her when she sold it. And personally, I probably wouldn't have done that. But well, I mean, what are you going to do? What are they going to say? No, <laughs> like, OK, then you just don't do it. But you got to try. Yeah. So uh <laughs> We essentially kind of, just to kind of backtrack just slightly, um, while in the Tetons, we kind of assessed our budget and everything and kind of the routes that we we're going to go. Because we really wanted to go to British Columbia, and we actually had some campsites reserved there and do Washington and Oregon. But kind of looking at, at our budget, we overspent on the vehicle and the unforeseen brand new tires that happened the week prior. Um, so that's when we really kind of started to apply for jobs in Wyoming and Montana as camp hosts and really just kind of more seasonal type jobs. Um, we didn't have a rhyme or reason for um, the places. Uh, we just wanted to make sure it's a one, a culturally fit um, that we'd fit well with the company that we'd be applying for. But also it'd be a cool location that we'd be able to kind of bum around, you know, when we're, we're not working. Um, well, and the thing is, too, is I think it kind of all became real when we were in the Tetons of just, you know, we don't have as much in our travel savings as we wanted. Yep, yes, we're traveling full time and we're living on a low budget and all that, but we're definitely planners, especially me. And to not know, like, what we would do, because we didn't have enough in savings to live on until the winter season, which is November. Um, without having to dip into our like long-term savings and we didn't want to do that and so we're like let's get jobs for the next three months 
and then that way it'll we'll fill up you know restock our our travel savings and and then you know and have a cool experience and then when we're done we can go travel up to vancouver bc and then go to washington and oregon until and do that until the winter season starts so i feel like we came to like a good compromise that it would work well um even though we're not spending as much time and the timeline we wanted to to go up to the northwestern part of the state so i think it's going to work out really good and we ended up um as jake talked about we kind of started applying and it took us about three days of well and then we were to disperse campground that had or a camp spot that had no reception <laughs> so it'd be like okay cool it's noon let's go out and like apply and call people back and so we did that for three days and then on the third day because we weren't we had probably about two or three uh, places that were interested in hiring us and it just you know both of us yeah both of us and that was the thing we had very specific parameters so we had been calling places and saying hey just wondering if you filled your spots for the season um and they're like oh no actually we still have some spots we're like okay we have two dogs and our trailer do you have like will, will that work and so that eliminated a lot right away um but we found because that was such a fa like a limiting factor it was easier just to call and explain the situation than to have to apply online, do all the applications. So we kind of just shortcutted it. And that actually worked out really well because on the third day, we called um, the company we're now working with. Um, it was what, like 11 noon? Yeah. And we ended up kind of having more of a conference call style with both of us on the phone and, you know, talked to the guy for uh, probably for about 15, 20 minutes. And, and I was like, all right, let me make some calls, see what we can do. Uh, we're definitely in need of people. Um, just with the seasonal realm of things, it's people just need bodies <laughs> to be able to do some of the work, whether it's guest services, maintenance, uh, you know, retail, retail like whatever I, I it mean, is, housekeeping. Yeah. And so I pretty much said, because he was like, yeah, we do have spots. Like, what are your guys' skill sets? What's your background? So we kind of gave him the down low. And we talked with him so about what do you some need? options. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of what we were interested in. And then he's like, okay, cool. He's like, I think you guys would be a really good fit. Why don't you guys apply like officially? Um, and then he gave us some, um, you know, the jobs that were relevant to what we had mentioned that we'd like to do. And then we applied. And then like two hours later, we got a call back from a different guy. And he's like, cool. You guys want to come out? Like after we talked to him for like another 10 minutes. So that was really cool. And they sent us all the hiring paperwork. And then we um, stayed in Helena, I think for another couple. Oh, no. We went to Helena and yeah. we were there for um, three nights and then drove up to uh, glacier so but let's talk a little bit about Helena because that was that was fun yeah no it was awesome just kind of be able to kind of recoup and everything um, just from all of our gear standpoint you know knowing what we need or don't need like we forgot or we didn't forget we opted not to bring our down comforter blanket um, but you know when a couple nights in the Tetons when you had the the snow and frost on the windows and stuff like that you know does get a little chilly even with the the two dogs um you know they're equally as cuddly on there so got a blanket and just kind of recessed a wool blanket, a wool blanket. super so, good it's super warm yeah so it was nice to be able to just kind of recoup relax catch up do with our my, laundry yeah do our laundry catch up with my aunt and uncle and kind of reorganize the trailer slightly not not a major major one or anything like that after been uh doing the more of the dispersed camping um but we were able to you know, live a little bit better, you know, 
yeah, a little more organized, which was nice, and vacuumed out the whole trailer and cleaned it and, and whatnot. So we're actually using up, it was like we had mentioned prior on different episodes, we had uh, had extra stuff, like extra body wipes and shaving, like uh, shaving, <laughs> I can't think of the term, anyway, for shaving your legs, you had those, and we had, Razors. thank you, razors and extra food, I mean, all these extra things, so now that we've been... Um, you know, kind of on the road for a little bit. We've been actually working through stuff, so we've been able to reorganize it. Not a fan of oatmeal. Oh, God, yeah. I was like, I had the genius idea a couple days ago. I'm like, we got to make them into protein balls. So my mission, uh, we have the day off today, so, and it's our one-year anniversary, so we're very pleased that we have the day off. Yeah. But um, One year ago, we were working our full-time jobs. We were. And we got married, and there was a tornado the day before we got married. That was exciting. But that's a story for another day. Um, but anyway, so want to make some protein balls. And um, I, so I just need to find some recipes and then tweak it for what we have. But oatmeal, essentially, all we need is a binder. Yeah, the oatmeal tastes good. It's just oatmeal. oatmeal. <laughs> and it's high calorie oatmeal. Like, you know, one bag is 400 and uh, 500 calories. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. So then you do, oh, excuse me for yawning. I'm relaxed. Um, We have, like, essentially we do, like, a half a bag for a meal. So, like, we'll share or just, like, pick a flavor and then just do, like, half a bag or if we're going to have it for breakfast or lunch. Um, But it just, it is. And now it's kind of warm. Even though it's cool at night, it's it's nice in the 70s during the day out here. And we don't want oatmeal. So I think the protein balls will be a good solution. And Jake's been doing cooking in the Dutch oven, which... If you guys follow us on social media, you can see some of the recipes. He's actually working on doing a video right now for YouTube on a chicken and rice. Was it with lemon? Yeah, something oh, like that. So good. It was so good. So we had that. So we're going to do a video of that. Um, but I really like um, all the stuff that Jake's been making. He's very talented in the kitchen. Yep. Second, <laughs> second calling. So. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so anyway, we are now, we got up, we left... Well, Tuesday and headed up to uh, Glacier and then we actually stayed out at the Hungry Horse. Um, well, we went over the dam. Yeah, we went over the dam and we stayed at the Wounded Buck Creek uh, dispersed campsite. So there's campsites along the way where you can pay for, but of course Yay. we're not we're not gonna pay for it. <laughs> so we found it and we were able to kind of check it in, pulled in, super easy. Where you know five feet from uh, a creek that was ice ice cold and it looked like a bear's haven i'm not gonna lie we definitely um had our bear spray with us when we were walking around yeah we're yet to see any bears the you know week that we've been up here but it was beautiful like it was a gorgeous national park but then there was what two other people tents that were there, and they um I just need to get on a little soapbox for just just a moment. When you are outside and you have to go poo, do everyone else a favor and bury your poo because those people with dogs, uh, their dogs will roll in the poo. So we had that joy um with Sammy coming back and poo all over his neck. So of course being his mother, I had to clean him up. He reeked. It was very traumatic. And I just, oh, it's just the worst. So um, I actually am going to be doing um, a 
how to dig a cat hole um, for those people who don't know and how to properly do it. So, cause it really does make a difference. And actually now that we're dispersed camping or we had been, and we'll get back to that once we're done doing our seasonal job, cause we're at an RV park, but we're going to get like a shovel, like a small shovel, like one of those ones from the kind of like a Salvation Army type military. military short shovel that, you know, we can throw in the trailers just so you can dig holes a little bit easier than the little hand trowels that we've been using. When yeah. we are out in the, the dispersed camping, when we have to go, if we're not using utilizing the bucket, so. But the bucket is easy. So yeah. anyway, the video is going to be awesome. It's going to be super informative, and for people who are out in the wilderness, hopefully they actually um, take heed to what you should do because it definitely sucks when people don't, and then you have to deal with it, especially when your dogs are turds and, and yeah. like poop. And just the <laughs> amount of trash that you know, kind of see out, it's just kind of disheartening. I mean, it's for future generations, it's uh, kind of sad when you see people like there's a hot dog package. Are you kidding me? Like we're in bear country, like pick it up, throw it, throw it away. Like it's not that hard, put it in your pocket. It's not that bad. So moral of the story, leave no trace and use the leave no trace principles, which include digging a proper cat hole. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I mean, I, I actually didn't see all the garbage that was out there because Jake went and did a little more exploring than I did because the bugs were really bad. He's like, there's so much trash. There's so much trash. And it's just disappointing when you see that. And I think, um, like a lot of the forests, uh, when we go to a lot of expos and stuff and they think, I think they do a really good job of educating the public about the leave no trace principles and the little handouts that they give. And so I hope that'll start like changing as people become more aware of what you're actually supposed to do. Yeah. There's just a handful of jerks that are jerks. So don't be a jerk. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just kind of gave you guys a little update on future episodes in addition to interviewing, uh, some different folks on here. We're going to be visit, you know, looking at some history at the different locations that we have visited. Uh, for instance, like we're going to be doing uh, Gibo, which is next, the old historical town, which will be uh, after this. So we hope you guys enjoy and uh, appreciate you following and listening, uh, listening to us. And, and cheers, as always. Yeah, thanks. As we were road tripping from eastern side of Wyoming in Beulah over to Yellowstone National Park. We ended up spending a night at a dispersed campsite on the Bureau of Land Management near Kirby, Wyoming. We arrived when it was storming, so we pretty much just set up our little trailer and went to bed. But in the morning, it was a beautiful day, and we went hiking and ended up going on these sandstone bluffs to the very top of them, and we were able to see some old remnants of buildings across the way. So of course we had to go over and investigate. We ended up finding out that was an old mining town, which was called Gibo. And Jake is going to share a little bit of history about this old mining town. Yeah. So over 110 years ago, the coal mining town of Gibo was established in 1907 along the near, nearby camps of Crosby and Kirby. Gibo is located 12 miles north of Thermopolis in Hot Springs County in Wyoming. The town was named after Samuel Wilford Gibo, who established the Owl Creek Coal Company, and it was the first mine in the area after immigrating from Canada. Samuel Wilford Gibo was an entrepreneur developer of coal mines in the Hot Springs County and surrounding counties. 
New York investors Rufus Ireland and others were financial backers who leased the land from the U.S. Bureau of Land Management. By 1929, there were about 1,200 employees and family members with more than 600 employed by the coal mines, and the other employees helped run the town. Melba Marbrick, from 1912 to 2003, spent her childhood in Gibo. Her papers at the American Heritage Center contain historical materials she collected about the town. Here are some excerpts from her remembrances about the town. Everything was owned by the company. The houses, the store, the butcher shop, utilities. Rent was free. The company charged $1 for a load of coal brought in truck and emptied into the coal shed by the houses. A few chose to build their own houses and add some rooms to their company houses. Gibo was a melting pot of nationality cultures. There were Finns, Czechs, Slavs, comprising of two groups. Other nationalities include Hungarians, Bulgarians, Russians, Italians, Scots, English, and two Japanese families. Growing up in Gibo, Wyoming in the 1920s was a pioneer life compared to today's living. It was a simpler life. It seems no matter how rough things were, there were a place where young is always close to one's heart. Some part of me will always be where I grew up, in Gibo, Wyoming. The mine remained active until 1938. At its height, over 20,000 people lived in the area, mostly miners and their families, making Gibo briefly the largest town in the county. Mail service to the town was discontinued in December of 1955. Most of the town was bulldozed in 1971, where some of the buildings and cemeteries still remain on the original site location. Our experience there was absolutely awesome. Being a modern-day explorer, to be able to see things out for the first thing as we're approaching the town in the site remembrance, Amy and I were just kind of talking what it would have been like to be able to go to that location or what the actual site and the dates that that were there. Um, there'll be some additional notes in the blog post and also in the show notes. We also did a campsite review of the free dispersed, dispersed campsite on our YouTube page. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you for listening to our never-ending story of the transformation of our previous traditional lifestyle into one where we travel the countryside, remain debt-free, and live out our dreams. If you'd like to write us a review, you can on however you listen to podcasts.